Hello, this is Joe and TJ, and we are the Schoolhouse 302, and we want to welcome you back to Focus Ed for Season 4. We are truly excited. Focus Ed is a collaborative project with the University of Delaware, the Delaware Department of Education, and the two of us, Joe and TJ, at the Schoolhouse 302. TJ, tell our audience a bit more about Focus Ed. Absolutely. Focus Ed is a podcast that gets recorded with a live audience. We do 14 episodes every season. We're in season four, but you can find season one, two, and three on our site at theschoolhouse302.com. It's a professional development experience for anyone who wants to attend, and then we blast it out from our site. We interview great leaders, authors of popular books, and experts in teaching, learning, and leading so that you can lead better and grow faster in your school or district. Thank you for listening to Focus Ed, and we hope you'll join us live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. And this episode, we have Lorea Martinez. Thank you for joining us on the show, Lorea. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Our focus today is on Lorea's book and her work, Teaching with the Heart in Mind. We're huge fans of Lorea's work and this book, and we really want to dig in and hear more about how teachers and school leaders can and must focus on their own social and emotional learning. First, though, let's hear more about Lorea. TJ, why don't you tell our guests a little bit more? Thank you, Joe. Dr. Lorea Martinez-Perez is award-winning founder of Heart and Mind Consulting, a company dedicated to helping schools and organizations integrate social and emotional learning in their practices, products, and learning communities. She has worked with schools, districts, and organizations to guide SEL implementation efforts, including training teachers and leadership teams, and providing guidance to educational technology and media companies to help them integrate SEL into their products. An educator who has worked with children and adults internationally, Dr. Martinez is a faculty member at Columbia University Teachers College, educating aspiring principals in emotional intelligence. She has conducted extensive research in the SEL field with a focus on SEL implementation, principals' emotional intelligence, teacher preparation, and school climate. She frequently blogs about how to incorporate SEL in teaching practices, leadership, and parenting. She received her doctorate of philosophy magna cum laude in quality and innovation in education from Universia Autonoma de Barcelona. In 2014, she was awarded the American Education Research Association Graduate Student Award for Excellence in SEL Research from the SEL Special Interest Group. Dr. Martinez started her career as a special education teacher and administrator, a native of the Costa Brava in Spain. She currently lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her husband and two daughters. We want you to check out her book. It's called Teaching with the Heart in Mind, A Complete Educator's Guide to Social and Emotional Learning. Ten people on today's call who joined us for this live recording are going to receive a copy. Okay, Lorea, we love your book. It's called Teaching with the Heart in Mind. And in the third part of the book, you address the need for a focus on adult social and emotional learning in schools. Now, you've been on the show before. It's a rare occurrence for us to have somebody back, but we love your work. And the thing is that last time you were on the show, we were really focused a lot on SEL in schools for students. 
This time we want your readers to know about the need to support adult SEL in schools. Let's start there. Why'd you dedicate the third part to adults and where can we get started with this conversation? Yes, I would start with the simple answer is that we cannot teach what we don't practice. So as educators, uh, students are watching our behavior. And even when we are not intentionally trying to teach something, they're watching us. So they will observe and they will learn from the ways in which we respond to stress in the classroom. If we have a conflict with a student or even with another adult in the building, our students are watching and they learn from our reactions, how we respond to those situations. So just from that perspective, we need to make sure that we are intentionally thinking about how we model those social emotional skills for students. And then from the teaching part, and this is something that it's almost like common sense, but I think it's worth saying it is we wouldn't expect teachers to teach reading comprehension unless they were like fluent readers and they could unpack complex texts themselves. So with social emotional learning is the same way if we want educators to be able to teach these skills explicitly to students, we need to make sure that they have what I call sometimes SCL fluency, that they can think about those skills in their own life, in how they interact with themselves, what's their internal self-talk how they interact with others. Because again, we are modeling for students and also we want to have that understanding before we are engaging students to learn these skills. Otherwise, we are asking students to do things that we are not willing to do ourselves as adults. And that's not okay. And that makes a ton of sense, Lorea, that if we're going to teach this to students, teachers should and administrators possess these skills. Before we get in, and I know TJ will definitely run down this road, get into this whole idea of, you know, the specific skills that should be taught. What are you seeing as some of the greatest needs among our teachers, among administrators, just within that SEL framework? What do you see as things that they really need right now? Yes, I think the needs are high. I've been in education for 20 years. I've never experienced such a difficult time to be a teacher, to be in the classroom. And I think that right now we have a combination of different factors that really impact the well-being of our teachers. One of them being the fact that with the pandemic, students have come back to the classroom with high needs when it comes to their own social emotional development. And also the behavior has been greatly impacted by the time we were home and also distance learning, all the protocols of going back into the classroom. There has been such a big disruption in our flow of things. So from the student-facing side, teachers are finding a lot more challenges when it comes to student behavior and their own social-emotional needs. And then I think we have the other part around what I would say is the perceived lost in instructional time and learning that the students have experienced that in a way we are back to that false dichotomy of we really need to focus on academics because our students have lost so much. And while that is true, that almost takes away the focus 
and the need to really make sure we are integrating social emotional learning in what we do as a way to support students. So that's from kind of like the student facing side, but from the teacher, I think that we cannot diminish the trauma that teachers have experienced in their own lives through the pandemic, going back to work. The working conditions are harder today than they have ever been. So that stress level, the level of overwhelm that teachers are experiencing really calls administrators and educational leaders for doing this work of paying attention to the well-being of teachers, but really do it well. And I'm hoping that we'll talk about it today. So we are not finding superficial measures, but really going deep into what teachers need. All right. So that's a great point. Let's then go deep. What do you mean by that? What are the particular actions that we want to see from our teachers and leaders? So I can tell you that what I have observed, like working with schools and districts, is that, you know, administrators, I think in a way, with the best intentions, assume that by giving teachers an extra prep or allowing them to wear jeans on Fridays or giving them an extra lunch, that that was going to be enough to really respond to the needs. And that is not the case. And I think that in some schools that has backfired because teachers have felt my needs are not being taken into consideration. There's not a serious conversation about working conditions, about the demands on teachers. And I think there is a part of this, and I know you know, you to work on the leadership side that has to do with, it's not an individual response, but we need to look at the system, right? It is a way to transform the old ways that we used to do things that we know are not working anymore. And in order to do that, I think one part is looking at the specific needs of the teachers that you have in your school to really gather that data in an authentic way, meaning if you are doing a survey and if you are gathering data that you really take the time as a leader to understand that voice of the teacher and really work to do something to respond to those needs. So there's a part that has to do with the system, right? When we see that most of our teachers in education today are struggling with high levels of stress and overwhelm, we know that it is not an individual issue, right? It's not a teacher that needs a little more help, but really we need to be looking at the system. And then there's another part that has to do with adult social emotional skills and the fact that in many cases, although we have been really good at supporting teachers to teach SEL skills to students, we haven't been as successful making time to teach these skills and making sure that we are creating a space in our staff meetings, in our professional development to really work with teachers to grow that social emotional capacity. So let's, Lorea, head in that direction a little bit, because I think that is the crux of this whole conversation and what people can really gain from it. I do want to make it clear, though, you mentioned some of the old things that administrators did to help out and just help improve school climate for teachers aren't working. Jeans Day isn't a Friday thing anymore. That can be an everyday thing. Like that's not fixing this. I think that's a critical for school leaders because like you said, it is the system. It's the conditions of the system as a whole. But then you also said, Larry, about the teacher's ability 
to use those social emotional skills themselves. Can you talk about what skills do they need to possess either for that self-regulation, that ability to redirect? What are some of those main skills teachers and other school personnel have in their toolbox? Yes, and maybe this is a good time to reveal the heart in mind model. So for those of you who don't know, heart is an acronym that describes five essential social emotional skills. And those are the skills that we should be teaching, practicing, living. So I'll go quickly through them and maybe there's one or two that you want to stop and discuss. I'm happy to do that. So the H stands for honor your emotions. And that means being able to name, identify, and interpret your emotions. And what I see right now is, I would say, almost a situation of crisis where we are constantly on autopilot responding to the immediate needs, the fires that we have around us. We are swallowing our feelings because the perception is we don't have the time to process our feelings. I just need to get to my next meeting. I need to get to this fire that I have in the school building. There's a conflict with a parent. All those things that demand our attention and what happens over time, we don't take the time to process those emotions is that those emotions lead to burnout, right? Because suddenly it gets to a day where we say, I can't do this anymore, right? Like I'm struggling so much, feeling so overwhelmed. I just don't want to get out of bed, right? So I think that first competency of really thinking about what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And we need to be doing that on a regular basis. It's kind of like a cleansing process because if we are able to process those emotions, we can learn the data that they are providing. We can learn the information and really take that step to move on to the next thing that we have on our plate or on our to-do list. The next competency, the E stands for elect your responses. And that has to do with your self-management skills. Like what are the options that you are creating for yourself on a regular basis? And this skill is very important because we have a lot of behavior patterns that we engage in on a regular basis. And that's just our brain, like the saving energy, right? If we had to think about every single decision we make on a regular basis, we would be exhausted at the end of the day. So our brain has these shortcuts of things that we do on autopilot. Well, guess what? Sometimes those things are positive. That means that we are able to brush our teeth or eat breakfast while we are doing something else. But some of those patterns are not supportive of our effectiveness as educators or leaders. Maybe they are impacting our relationships. So with that skill, what we do is really look at different situations that we have on a regular basis and think about like, okay, what are my options here? Do I really need to respond to this angry email right now where I'm really triggered? Or can I take a breath, go do something else, and then go back to that email that needs my answer? So really being a lot more intentional in our actions on a daily basis. Then we move to the A, which is apply empathy. And again, that's one of those skills where educators tend to have very high levels of empathy towards students. But when it comes to their own empathy towards self, that's a really hard place. And I think in this moment of stress and overwhelm, it becomes even harder, right? So we need educators to also practice that self-compassion and that self-empathy so they can, in a way, build their energy, build their capacity to be able to show empathy towards others. The R stands for reignite your relationships. That's 
the breadth of all the social skills. But I want to emphasize today how we are using our networks and our positive relationships in our lives as a source of strength. And I can tell you from a personal level, when I'm struggling, I want to retreat. I want to be kind of by myself. I don't want to talk to people, but we cannot do this work in isolation. We have to do this work in community and really thinking about as an educator, who are the people in my life that can be those sources of strength, can be very powerful to see that there's somebody else there that can give me a hand or just listen to me vent and process the day with somebody. And then the last one, the T stands for transform with purpose. And I think that, again, this is a skill that is very much needed because what I'm hearing from educators is that they have lost the joy, right? They have lost that spark, the motivation and the happiness that they used to experience by being in the classroom with kids. And I think that the place where we can kind of reignite that joy is by going back to our purpose. And that means knowing why you do the work that you do, right? What is it about being a teacher, an educational leader, working with kids or training teachers? What is it about that work that really fills your heart? And I think we need to help educators connect back with that purpose so they can really feel that spark again that they used to feel. Sorry, it took a long time to describe them, but those are like the five skills in the heart and mind model. And I think that they are all important in this time of really supporting our adults in our educational buildings. Thank you for that, Lorea. I can't help but to say that I wrote a quote down here. Educators are great at having empathy for students, but they need to get better at having self-empathy. And for new leaders listening, you know, folks who are trying to get at this, even for the teachers who are listening, can you give us some strategies? Now that we know the what of the heart, is there a thing or two that you can say, look, if you're new to this or you just want to get better at it, try these couple of things. You can do them tomorrow. It'll make a difference. Yeah, I would say two quick things. One is really do emotional check-ins with your staff. We do them with students all the time, and I think it's so important to do them with adults. And that can take many shapes. For example, as teachers are coming into their staff meeting, you can set up like 10 cups and have popsicle sticks, and they write their name on the stick. And, you know, zero or one being the worst day of their life to 10, they had a great day. They can put the popsicle stick, and then as a staff, you can look at the result and say, wow, everybody's on the floor. Or maybe people are feeling really good and most people are on the higher end of the 1 to 10. And immediately that's like you have the emotional weather, right, of your teachers. That's something that can be really quick as an activity and then have teachers have a conversation. Okay, this is what's happening. How can we move to a place where we are feeling more energized or more positive about what's happening in the school? And I think that from the leader perspective, what happens is that having that conversation takes courage because you might be afraid that if you talk about the elephant in the room, that maybe teachers are going to lose the respect or they are not going to see you as strong of a leader. But what it does is really opens the conversation to have those real conversations about what's happening with the school, right? What's happening with the teachers. 
So that's a quick activity. And then on the self-empathy part, I think that celebrating the things that are working is very important as a way to build motivation and to really recognize the effort that teachers are putting into the work. So any opportunity, again, to celebrate what individual teachers are doing, either by writing a thank you note that you put in their inbox or just doing a more general activity with teachers can be a place where teachers are starting to see that not everything is going wrong, right? That not everything is the hardship, but really taking that time to see what are the positive moments? Where is the light in everything that we are doing? And keeping that as a routine, something that you don't do just once every quarter, but almost every single meeting, take that time for celebration. Maria, I think that's a wonderful point. I don't think we celebrate intentionally enough. TJ always reminds us about our specific praise model and that it has to be very deliberate and hone in on exactly what was done well, because it also reaffirms that action or that success the teacher had. So it's not just something that can be glossed over so quick. Can you just talk a little bit more about like good celebrations, good recognitions? And this is why, because it seems simple on the surface and people say, oh, I do that. But what we found is people do it and not to offend people, but very often they don't do it well. Right. Yeah. And I would say, you know, from the SEL perspective and leadership development, it's important for the leader to think about why is it that maybe I'm feeling uncomfortable praising my teachers, right? What is the message that I think I'm conveying when I do that? But to answer your question, I think that with my students at Columbia, we do assessments of emotional intelligence and we have one-on-one debriefs. And when we look at the data, the first thing that everybody does is what? Look at the lowest scores that they have on the chart. So we have a deep conversation about like, no, no, this conversation is not about looking at the low scores, it's looking at what are your strengths right? And how are you going to use your strengths to develop any area that you want to work on, right? It doesn't mean that it's the lowest score. Sometimes we don't have to right away work on that gap, but maybe there's something else that we are more passionate or more willing to spend the time that it takes to grow our skills. So I think from that leadership perspective, taking the time to maybe even making a note about one or two strengths that your teachers have, And being able to share that in your next opportunity that you have or a meeting, even in your formal observations that you are taking the time to share those strengths as a conversation starter, both from your perspective and also ask, what are your strengths? And this is actually an activity that I do sometimes in professional development. And I can tell you, people have a hard time coming up with like three, four strengths that they have. And I think that's something to consider, right? Why is it so hard for us in education to come up with our own strengths as individuals? I think that it feels like maybe we are being too proud. There's something about it that it's difficult. So I think like always starting with those strengths can make a difference in also the relationship that the leader is establishing with the educators. 
It's almost concerning. I mean, quite frankly, it's a concern of mine that we have this deficit thinking in our ability to identify our own strengths as a system. I think that the school improvement models have been beat into us so hard and for so long about finding the weaknesses and attacking them. And we really need to come from an asset-based approach. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's another activity that everybody can do. You can do it with the staff, but you can also do an inventory of the strengths that each staff has. What do they bring to the table? I want to make sure leaders take that away as something that's actionable from this podcast, something that we can do, something that we can practice. I want to hone in on emotional intelligence because you brought it up. It's in your bio. And we want to transition to a couple of our leadership questions. I'm going to start with our typical question about resources, books to read, places to visit. Of course, your site will link it to the show notes. But in terms of emotional intelligence in that specific arena, where would you say, study it? Here's what you can get from you know this person, this site, this book. Yes. So Six Seconds is an organization, is a network of emotional intelligence leaders and practitioners. And we use their assessment and their leadership 360 assessment for our class at Teachers College. And they also have materials that I think are very helpful when it comes to emotion cards and some coaching cards that can be very helpful for leadership. So they have like an EQ store. So that's a resource that I would say is super helpful. That's excellent. We'll definitely link to six seconds. I like how you, Lorette, also tied that into like the preparation of individuals because we just discussed how that's not necessarily happening. If we want teachers to teach this and use it, they need those skills. Going further down that road of, you know, resources and leaders can do, thinking about, Lorette, your impact and some of the work that you're doing, you know, stretch this out down the road. What does success in the next three to five years look like for you within the respect of SEL? We had a quick conversation prior to going live that, you know, SEL depends on where you are almost geographically on how this is like taking hold and the positive effects of this. You know, if you stretch all of your work, all your effort that you're doing around this, your impact in three to five years, what does that look like in this space? Yeah, I mean, I would love for schools, districts, educators to know and embrace the heart and mind model. One of the reasons why I created the model was to provide almost like a memorable acronym that people could remember and they would know when they say SEL or when they say teaching with a heart in mind that they have that mental model of what that means. And one of the latest research that I've created is an online course to develop these hard skills. So I'm hoping within those three to five years that people really take advantage of the literature in SEL of that model and they can really use it to improve themselves and also to make the teaching of SEL skills more effectively in their classrooms and schools. That's fantastic. And we know you are having that impact on your audience and the people who are following your work. And we want to make sure that you mention the course that you have available as well before we end. Just a couple more questions here, though. 
Our leaders were definitely going to go to six seconds. We've already got that linked in the show notes. They're going to go there. Everybody on the call is already Googling that. The people listening at home are going to do the same. Tell us a couple of books, if you don't mind. They can be in the area of emotional intelligence or social and emotional learning, but are there other books that you would recommend to new leaders, leaders who are listening today to say, listen, if you want to be the best leader you can be, here's what I recommend. Yes, I have a couple. The first one is on the SEL side. It's called Cultivating Kindness, an educator's guide. And this is by a friend and colleague, John Tyler Binfe. He is a professor at the University of British Columbia, and he has done amazing research with kids about kindness. So this is a book that I definitely recommend. And then on the leadership side, and maybe you know this book, it's called Unleashed and is the Unapologetic Leader's Guide to Empowering Everyone Around You. And this is like SEL language, but in the business world. And I love when those two collide. It's by Frances Frey and Anne Morris. And it is fantastic because there's so much of that book that is around SEL values and SEL skills, but is applied in the business world. And sometimes, as we have talked in the past, we are behind in talking about emotional intelligence as it relates to leadership in education. And it seems like the business world is a little bit ahead of us. Yeah, it's 100% accurate, Lorette. I don't think people realize even things like Castle, their framework, a lot of the work around emotional intelligence, that's been around since the mid-90s. Like, this isn't new. I love it when somebody just discovered, no, it's new to you. Like, but it's really great to build on. We'll definitely check those out. TJ and I also are firm believers that we can learn from one another. When the business world and the education world coexist, we may call things different, you know, like strategic plan is in a business world. Well, you know what? We may not use that language all the time, but we're pretty good at creating lesson plans and a great lesson plan is a great strategic plan. So we may just go about it a little different, but along that same line, Lorraine, is there a topic or an area of interest that you wish someone would write more about? An area of focus that there's just not enough literature on a particular topic or subject? Yeah, I think around the adult SEL, there's still more that should be written, especially not as developing the individual skills. I think there's enough literature about the value and how to do it, but how we build school buildings and organizations that have emotional intelligence as one of the core values, right? It's not only what we practice as individuals, but how the systems, the structures, the routines that we are part of are embedded and infused with emotional intelligence. So I think that there's still some space there to talk about this from a systems perspective. That's fantastic. Somebody's got to write that book, A Systems Approach to SEL in Organizational Design. And that's really the thing. It's the organizational design that needs to change so that SEL is at the heart of what we do. This has been a fantastic conversation. Larea, another fantastic conversation to go with the first one we had with you on Focus Ed. Is there anything that we didn't ask that you wish that we did or some final parting words for our listeners? And I want to make sure that we plug in and give you a chance to talk about that course you have available as well. Yes, I would close by saying that we all have emotional intelligence. We don't start from zero. These are learnable, teachable skills that we can develop at any point in our lifetime. 
I think it's just the decision or the intention that we want to grow our social emotional capacity, what makes a difference, but we can all do this and we can do this in community in spaces like this. So I would just say that go ahead and practice because those skills are available to you today and into the future. And how about the course that you have available? How can we access that? And what do you hope folks get from it? Yeah, so the course I created because I realized as I was working with schools and districts and helping them with SEL implementation that it is not easy to do it in authentic and respectful ways for adults. Sometimes what schools do is they take the activities that they do with the kids and they say, oh, we're just going to do them with the adults. And sometimes that doesn't work because adults, we have our own ways of learning and developing. So I created the course to just provide another resource for schools to take care of that adult SCLPs to provide the content. And it goes through the heart and mind model, what I described here. It's completely asynchronous and online so teachers can take it at their own time. And it's very flexible. So I have uh, schools, for example, that have someone in-house facilitating conversations. So the teachers go in and maybe they do module one and two, and then they come together to reflect on what they are learning, what has happened when they have applied some of the tools in the course, and really continue to build community and normalize the fact that we can talk about these skills. And the course is currently available. And if the audience goes to my website, loreamartinez.com, there's a link that says courses and they can go there and read everything that the course has to offer and the pricing. That's fantastic. Thank you for that. And we're also going to link to that in the show notes for anybody who's listening. This has been an incredible conversation, Lorea. What I do want to make sure is that we give you a virtual round of applause from our live audience, please, everyone. And this podcast was brought to you by the Delaware Academy for School Leadership, the Delaware Department of Education, and the Schoolhouse 302. Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. Until then, stay focused. Hey, leaders, before you go, one more announcement. We now have available for you our candid and compassionate feedback masterclass. Really, because of high demand, we are thrilled to offer this. This is a course that we run live and in person all the time, and leaders love it. They learn to give feedback with skills that they can use right away, including better praise to lift and celebrate your team. It's now available in a virtual online format that you can take on your own, self-paced, from the comfort of your office or home. Here's what you'll get. There are 11 lessons with a focus on nine candor cancellations that we wrote in our Candid and Compassionate Feedback book. These are mistakes that leaders make that we don't want you to make anymore. We'll teach you models so that your feedback is meaningful and we'll give you tools necessary to build the culture that you always wanted. Trust us, without these critical skills, you're not capitalizing on your own capacity to lead better and grow faster. Go to the site, theschoolhouse302.com, click on shop courses, add this course to your cart and start learning today.